0: All right, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with father, husband, teacher, coach, athletic director, author, speaker, and probably some other stuff that I'm forgetting. Mr. Ethan Miller, welcome, man. It's awesome to be here. It's great. Appreciate it, man. Uh, Thanks for being on. Now we've met each other. Through athletics and school stuff, I mean, as athletic directors, I think, is when we first met, Yep. and um, you teach and coach at Central Springs, which is a neighboring school district where I teach and coach, and I guess I don't really know, and talk about what got you into the wild world of education to begin with.
1: Well, I grew up in a town of Humboldt, Iowa,
0: and both my parents were
1: teachers, and that's was used to growing up in the building, used to growing up around going to games and activities. My dad was a high school band director, so when he's a high school band director, playing a pep band and uh, Friday night football games and basketball games, that was a part of my growing up. My mom, my mom was a high school art teacher, and uh, so I had a lot of experiences there with you know, shows and concerts and things that we had uh, going on in our family. Uh, But I knew at a young age I wanted to be a teacher and a coach. Um, I had a mentor, uh, my elementary PE teacher, a guy by the name of Stu Fritz, who was the longtime head baseball coach at Hope College in Holland, Michigan. And I saw him, like, this guy's awesome. I mean, he had a ton of energy. He was coaching. and like, he just carried himself in such a strong demeanor. I'm like, I was in fourth grade. I'm like, yeah, I'm a teaching coach. And so that was the path that sort of opened itself up to me at a very early age. And then after graduation from um, high school – that didn't change, and uh continued on that path that got me into education.
0: That's awesome. Now, it's kind of interesting. So your dad's a band director. Your mom's an art teacher. I mean, there's a lot of, like, fine art stuff. And you're a big athletics guy. Was that something you just kind of were doing everything all the time as a kid? I mean, exposed to all these different things?
1: So my the the look I get often is, like, dad, band director, mom, art teacher, and they get this, like, vision in their head of what they're what those uh sort of <laughs> people yeah. are but yeah uh, my dad uh, is a super competitive individual uh rides a harley has a handlebar mustache um <laughs> you know but he's uh, he's retired now and plays in a bunch of bands professionally and um has cds out from his brass groups and um my mom does professional art now. That since she's retired, but she was uh, <clears throat> tried to pass along that to us and have as many art skills as humanly possible, as my students will attest. As I try drawing pictures on the board for certain, <laughs> I'm really good at stick figures. But uh, yeah, so I had a wide variety of uh, experiences growing up from you know athletics, and then I was also involved in music and um, played uh, tuba, trombone, trumpet, and drums along really? along with that. So. My dad, as a high school band director, I always say, you know, when, <clears throat> and then he moved to the junior high um, later on in my life because my uh, just the time commitment and wanted to be around the family more and um, just the, the number, sheer number of events he would be involved with. So when he's trying to get kids involved with band at the junior high level, you know, all these parents would say, well, my son's going to focus on athletics, and so I got to be a great selling point because my dad could say, well, he was an all-state athlete and an all-state musician, so. You can do both, yeah And then it's yeah. like, oh okay <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's good, a wide variety of experiences that um, I continue to draw back for uh, for that I to use today
0: that's awesome and then now, so as a teacher, you teach physical education, health, teach character and leadership class, and then is that class where you teach the the make it stick book is that a separate class?
1: so what I do,
0: um, I teach.
1: Character and leadership classes for our freshman level and then also our senior level. And then the Make It Stick book is just permeated as far as within the class itself Okay, um, from different principles of learning because the, the class that we teach at the freshman level with personal growth and development, we instituted six years ago because we found that we were missing something with our students and their preparedness to live life as a high school student where their responsibility has to be a lot higher, uh, their the you know the potentials are a lot bigger for you know their outcome in lifestyle design and where kids were failing with nothing to do with their ability and content but it's tell about their personal habits and so we developed this class and started to kind of think outside the box <clears throat> it's required for our freshmen mm-hmm. and you know we're seeing some positive uh impact because of that and then it's been branched off into a senior level class i teach high school level health class as well and uh, elementary physical education along with my duties as high school athletic director, head baseball
0: coach, assistant girls track coach. (laughs) Now, you've got a lot going on, and we talked about this when Conway was on the podcast, but for people who don't maybe understand in a small school setting, if you're an athletic director, it's not like that's your only job and you have a secretary and you're doing whatever. That's kind of a full-time job on top of one or you know, at least one other full-time job, not to include coaching and all that stuff too. So just – from, like, a professional standpoint, how do you balance just those sort of things in the education realm? So um, try, now this is my
1: eighth year as an athletic director, and I feel like I've got the, the systems and, um, you know, forms and programs okay. and all those different documents you need. Uh, it's pretty automated now. Um, okay. from, but from a time management standpoint, I really pride myself on that. Mm. Um, from a, a time management standpoint, is just like, listen, we have, you know, 168 hours a week to do – what we need to do and time is the most constant denominator amongst all people um, in our competition or that also out of ourselves. and so it's what we do with that time it's how much time you have but what you do with the time you have and no one's going to add a 25th hour or a 30 second day in the month for us just because we have a lot going on mm-hmm. so we have to be really great with it so i plan my day from the moment i wake up to when i go to bed i map it out in a google document i from my morning routine to waking up at 4, 4.15 in the morning to work out, <clears throat> The morning, the, what happens within the house, getting the family and the house ready to go, and my wife and I get in the house, keeping it buzzing and keep it moving to what mm-hmm. happens here at school to how I break it down and schedule it that way. Then what also happens after school, how I slow it down at night and then before lights go out to get ready for the next day. Sure. So I've got to be the best at time in order to have the deepest impact that you want to make. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to make that excuse of, I'm busy, or I've got, just got too much going on, too much on my plate, it's, I have a full schedule, let's execute the day, because in all honesty, people plan their Super Bowl party with more detail than their their own lives, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so, can we plan every single day that we need to, to make the most out of it, because today is the most important day
0: of our life. it's the only day we're living, sure. and so, we can't live for tomorrow when all we have is today. So, just, um... Like talking a little bit about your routines then. So like your morning routine, are you do you try to keep it something consistent or it's a very similar thing every day? Like is that part of the routine? Or does it depend day to day what you have going on?
1: So a lot of it depends upon the day. But for the most part, my morning is 4 o'clock, 4.15, wake up, depending upon you know, if I need to go for a long run or if I need to do strength training. But morning exercise for me is a domino effect. It puts everything else into place. Um, I started that early wake-up because as a guy who is a father and as a husband, um, everybody wants your time at 4.30 in the afternoon. Nobody wants your time at 4.30 in the morning. Sure. And so once I implemented that strategy, um, it, it just changed. It just made everything. It, nobody really like. I mean, no one likes to wake up early. But mm. I like the benefits of what it does for me. And so it makes me more alert, makes me more energized. It's like taking my energy pill for the day. And then I gets things started. So my morning, my morning routine is very, very consistent. About the things I do every single morning. Sure. And now that allows me to be um, almost put things on autopilot
0: mm-hmm.
1: instead of having to make a ton of decisions every single day. Mm-hmm. So my AM routine and my shutdown PM routine is just helping me get ready for the next day. And then I can execute in the morning. Sure. And then, so from waking up, clothes are lined out and already regular from the day before, from what my workout stuff is going to be, wore the same stuff to the gym. Get done, come home, and then I start everything else that goes with it. So the essentials of my morning routine are workout, a form of meditation um, or breathing, um, then breakfast, and then, you know, preparation of, you know, my you know, my wife, my kids, my <clears throat> school day stuff, and then um, shower, dress, out the door. Sure. And then at night, it's the same way. It's closed out for the night for the next day. That's what we wear <laughs> at school. What we wear that so that allows me to uh, make decisions the ones that I have to make that are the most important because decision fatigue is very real. And if we're constantly making decisions over and over and over again, what that does is that when then we have to make really big decisions. We're just we're we're over it.
0: Sure. Right. So it allows me to be as productive as possible. So with I'm just curious because I. I'm fascinated with meditation and like breathing and stuff like that as well. So, what types of meditation, breathing types, and things do you do?
1: So, um, there's a couple apps I use. One is called Headspace, sure. um, that's a lot more guided meditation. Um, another one is called uh, Calm, which is what I've gravitated more towards. So, I'll, I'll meditate twice a day, once in the morning, which is uh, usually non guided. I use it before. So I I either depend upon the day where I'm at, where my mind is doing. If when I wake up, if it's like, I know my mind's already racing in the minute I wake up, Mm -hmm. I'll breathe and meditate for five to 10 minutes before I then go to the gym. Sure. Or if it's just a normal day where it's like, Hey, it's all good in the neighborhood. I'll do it then afterwards as a transition out of that moment. And then into being present with the family. So, and then at night I use it as a form of like a, a body scan, a guided meditation at night, body, body scan, um, you know, kind of like recalling and reconditioning from what the previous day was. And then that allows me to then slow it down and shut it down. And usually I don't make it to the end of a 10 minute breathing session before I am asleep. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and the research is behind meditation is increasing more and more because, you know, one of the, the statements is like, you know, we could medic meditate before we need to medicate. And I think we <laughs> yeah. have to just sometimes slow things down because in the treadmill of life, we're expected to jump from one to the next. We'd never do that in a, in a, you know in a fitness center like have one treadmill at 10 have the next at 10 and say okay you're gonna jump to the next one without missing a beat right yeah yeah um and, and even with our young people too so like within our school on mondays our kids know this it's, just, it's mindful you know, mindful monday and so we start every single day with either a five to ten minute guided or non-guided breathing so there's really? Um, allows them to get present, allows them to refocus, allows them to say, okay, you're like, you can let go of what the past was and focus on the present. And Mm so it becomes very therapeutic. Um, it's great with some of our, our ADD, ADHD people, um, those who have might suffer from a form of depression and anxiety is just allow them to get in tune with themselves, to breathe, to focus and to, uh, sometimes, you know, let go of those things we can't control and hone in on the things we can.
0: Sure. So then when you're doing that breathing, either like leading the students or with yourself, I mean, is it just focusing on the consciousness of your breath? You're doing the in through the nose, out through the mouth. I mean, what are you focusing on with the actual breathing? So
1: there's one we'll do is called a 6 two, 8 which is they'll inhale for 6, hold for 2, and then exhale for 8. So it allows them to get deep, and I'll actually talk them through that, and we'll do probably, you know, five iterations of that before then we take off and then say, okay, you're on your own now for the next, you know, four to five minutes of just doing that um navy seal training um when the powers of their breath and what they'll do is a form of six to eight or a five by five box breathing where it's more like you breathe in for five and then back out for five and mark devine uh author of way of the seal talks about how that even saved him in a uh, on a mission because they ran out of oxygen while they're underneath of a high value target underneath <laughs> of a boat. And both these guys had to save and share an oxygen tank for almost two hours. And so what they were doing is that they, as they were holding, they were doing this sort of box breathing in their mind while they're holding out their breath while one guy took a, took a pull from the oxygen tank as it goes back and forth. So it was you to stay calm and to stay present because <clears throat> you know, in, in life, how fast things move moment to moment is just the, the power of, Oxygenating your brain, sure. and yourself to just create that sense of calm, and just young people would be you know on an athletic field, take a breath, pre-pitch, pre-shot, pre-play, and then also post to release it and move on to the next one. So, sure. yeah, so we get we do a couple of different types with the students, so just to give them exposure, um, and some can get present really fast. Others it just depends where they're at mentally, emotionally. That's, yeah. uh, it might be more of a struggle but again it's the act of doing it that makes it the biggest difference is just sometimes making the attempt you know sure. we don't have to be perfect we just have to be present mm-hmm. Right.
0: that's awesome yeah i think that's great and then so back to your own morning routine a little bit um just because i know you know you like to make the most use of out of your time when you're exercising doing those things are you listening to you know podcasts audio books i mean what are you are you Multitasking with that? Or are you staying just completely focused on the exercise?
1: So what I'll do with you know, <clears throat> I I train six days a week, so three days of strength training, three days of cardio. With the cardio during the week being like a you know anywhere from four to six miles, and then try to do something bigger, eight to ten on the weekend, sure. if time permits. You mm-hmm. know, you know we can't always make it perfect at the same time, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. But if I'm gonna if I'm hitting weights, it's usually you know. Five figure Death Punch Radio or something like that on Pandora. <laughs> sure. So I'm a little bit more uh, geeked up. But then also when I run, though, I listen to audiobooks or listen to podcasts. Um, or even sometimes I'm on a treadmill, just watching an episode, watching episodes of The Office while I'm, yeah, you know, while yeah. I'm running you know, the L2. So sometimes it's not just you know, doesn't have to always be about you know, mm-hmm. trying to do something different, but um, just being able to get that time in is, is it's therapeutic for me too, you know, mm-hmm. um, so that I can have that little bit of me time, but has um, been very, very beneficial and something that is going to be, I can, I can maintain that to be consistent because I <clears throat> I need to be able to just like, we're all, you know, actors on stage and all just performers. Like, so how can we perform it out actually the best? And if there's something we want for ourselves, like to be able to be energized and juiced up with our kids and, you know, in our home and also in the classroom and to be that that positive energy we've got to be able to continue to give that off so um that's what exercise does for me and it's probably the morning it's the best because at that at night too many things start uh chipping at you there's too yep. many things that like start coming your way it's like oh man i need to do this oh man i gotta do this and whereas nobody bothers at
0: four thirty in the morning right <laughs> sure um so you touched on a couple of things that I wanted to get to, and I just had the, the privilege of sitting in on some of just your off-season baseball work stuff, which yeah. which was great. And, you know, two things that you, I think, you know, or that I saw in practice that you kind of mentioned there is one sort of focusing on the moment. You, you gave the analogy just during the baseball workout of the guillotine, which I liked that analogy that you made is that, like, you know, like, this is it. You got one opportunity, and you were talking about just reps with the athletes that – you know, make the most out of this individual rep because it's all you've got. So how do you translate some of that to your students, to your athletes? I mean, how do you focus on that one individual moment with them? Everybody wants to have a great high school career. Everybody wants to have a great life or a sports team wants to have a
1: great season or a great concert. Well, how do we do that? It's it's moment by moment, right? Mm -hmm. What's the best way to graduate high school? One class at a time. You know, much like the best way to eat an elephant, one bite at a time. So what we do is we we looked way too big picture as far as like things are, and it can be daunting. It can be a lot. I mean, if you really think about, it, even like from a from a teacher standpoint of like, hey, we got one hundred ninety days that technically we have to be in the building. That's a lot, mm. you know. You might say, "Oh no, it's one day at a time." Or I have to, I don't have to do one hundred ninety days this year. I have to do one day one hundred ninety different times, you right. know. So you start to break it down that way is like you know even like take a sport like football. Well, you know, the difference in the game is going to be you know three or four plays. Well, we don't know when those three or four plays are going to actually happen. So every single play you do matters Absolutely. everything everything's important so you know there are no do or die now or nevers this is it you know situations in life I mean there every everything in your life is important and treated as such and so <clears throat> when you how you break that down is to say hey this moment matters and we're stacking moments upon moments which then is going to lead to what we want for an outcome you know we can't jump an entire staircase all the way up to the top it's step by step inch by inch it's a cinch yard by yard it's hard when you take things little by little, do a little, do it a lot, and on repeat, and to be consistent as possible. Then we're allowed to then get closer to where we need to be. Because growth doesn't happen for you as a person. Growth does not happen like you know by leaps of bounds. Mm-hmm. It's it's sometimes shuffle steps being in the right direction. And if we if we can even grow as a person, not one you know we would hear the phrase you will know, grow one percent better today. You know get one percent better today. That's really hard though. I mean one percent every day. That's really hard. Even if we were to grow three. Tenths of one percent. If you do that every single day for an entire year, you're gonna be one hundred percent the person that you are today. Sure. You do it for two years, you're two hundred percent the person. You do it for three years, you're, 400. you're yeah. four hundred. You're four, eight hundred. You're five, you are sixteen hundred percent better than the person you were before, just by making one small decision and action to to close that gap from where you are to where you want to be. And so, how can we do that? Just make a great decision in the moment. Sure. My moment, moment. Class by class, play by play, pitch by pitch. Possession by possession, that's it. And be able to to be as present as possible. That's where, you know, we have, you know, a phrase I like to use is like we have, as people have one foot in the past, one foot in the future, and we take a gigantic dump on the present moment. Yeah. Because we're never truly where our feet are. You know, anxiety is an obsession with the future. Depression is an obsession with the past. We've got to be obsessed
0: with the future,
1: or we got to be obsessed with this present moment because that's going to help dictate our future as
0: best possible again. Sure. Oh, yeah, I think that's that's perfect. And then, you know, the other thing that you mentioned that I saw just that little bit of baseball stuff too, and that I've always picked up from you is just sort of this idea of enthusiasm, mm-hmm. like you know, sort of all the time whether you call it you know bringing the juice or you know whatever. Yep. And I've talked to people who have seen you speak at something, and we'll get to some of your public speaking stuff, and then they'll come back to like you know St. going and be like, you know, Ethan Miller. I'm like, yeah. And they're like. What's he like, like in real life? And I'm like, however you saw him, that's how he, <laughs> that's how he is in real life. He's like, like I think of Spinal Tap. Like with the the, you know, the knobs go up to ten; these knobs go up to eleven. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. So how how do you do that for yourself, and how do you bring that into the classroom where it's always at eleven?
1: You know, I, we have to. There's a concept called. The flipping of the switch, and I learned this from a friend of mine, a mentor. He's a former Navy SEAL by the name of Sean Haggerty. Um, He was a Navy SEAL for 117 combat missions. He was a sniper. He was a point man. He's been SEAL instructor of the year. And he had this concept of flip the switch. When the switch is on, be on. That's laser sharp focus. But when the switch is off, we're broad. We just kind of sit back. But we're also (laughs) like the electricity is still flowing. Even when the switch is off, the electricity is still there. Right. Mm-hmm. We, the power is not ever completely cut. I mean, there's still something there, there. We're just waiting for the switch to go back on again. So for me, when the switch is on, it's on and mm-hmm. then we're not going to flicker. We're going to go. And that's a decision. I've, I've always been wired that way. I mean, you know, you being up here today, me, and my, my daughter, Greta run around the school and doing stuff too. She's got, you know, the energy as well. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's like the decisions we make as far as what we're going to bring, because we, as people listen to ourselves way too much and don't talk to ourselves enough, right? We, we are dictated so much by our feelings as far as creating then that action that we need and your feelings really don't matter. Like I'm tired, tired is a state. It is not a condition. Act differently in how you feel. You know, mm-hmm. you will feel your way or you will act your way into feeling way more than you ever feel your way into acting. Sure. If you're just waiting for the right moment to feel good, you know, if we only work on days we feel good, we're gonna be waiting a long time. Yeah. You know, so, it doesn't matter about your feelings; it's about our action. It's about what we show. And if there's something I want to see out of my students, if there's something I want to see out of my family, if there's something I want to see out of my athletes, or there's something I want to try to project off into others, for them to for to see out of them, I better be doing it myself. Mm-hmm. You know, so people need a model to see, not a motto to say. You know, they need somebody to like look and at say, at, "Oh my gosh, that's what energy looks like." That's what you know, is being consistent. And if we can just be consistent as people day in and day out, that's gonna then help us to then create that legacy and to live moment by moment. And that's that's essentially how I view it. Other days I feel tired? Yeah. Other days I don't feel like it? Yeah. Other days where I like I'm dragging my feet to go to the gym at four o'clock in the morning? Yeah. But I've just learned to talk to myself and say it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Do it anyway. Right? And if you don't feel like sixty percent, go to battle with that sixty percent and see what happens.
0: Yeah that's yeah that's awesome so that you know we've talked a lot about your education stuff you know teaching coaching those sorts of things but you do a lot of things beyond that I mean sort of extending the same message and, and those sorts of things but um, you know one you're an author and um, so, really, three books you have out now. You co-authored the one with Brian Kane. If you don't know Brian Kane, he's sort of like a mental conditioning coach. Yep. Um, which was I wrote it down just to make sure I got the title right: the Mental Game of Athletic Administration. Correct. And then you have um, your two own books. Um, that are the it doesn't happen by accident series. Yep. So the first one is the six keys to leading with intention and then the second one continues off of that same story and it's uh, living a life of purpose. Yep. So what got you into that? Um we'll see so we have to date back
1: uh, in 2015 uh, I had Brian Kane come up and work with our athletic department and do like a one day professional develop with, uh, 4 hours with our coaches <clears throat> and then did like 2 hours with our athletes just on Mental conditioning, and mental performance, um, and then had a chance to spend you know two days with him, and so then we really kind of kicked it off and you know real well as far as um, our relationship and that mentorship and friendship built from that, <clears throat> and then he inter- he asked me to do a podcast with him um, on implementing the mental game within as an athletic administrator, and so we did this podcast, and then he's like, hey, I need your help with something. I want to write a book. On this, so would you jump in? I'm like, yep. So in the in the span of one month, I wrote four to five hours a day for 22 straight days yeah. um, to get this thing knocked out. And it's you know pushing close to 300 pages. So him and I just, we just went back and forth. I I do a section, send to him. He'd look over, do his his part, come back to me. I'd move on to the next one. So it was constant uh, communication. And then once that came out, um, I had. You know so some of the podcasts and like just that book coming out too then people can see that oh there's this guy's an author <clears throat> and as an author if you want to be like a, if you want to be a speaker the book is almost like a business card mm-hmm. it's it's a way to get in the door you know sure. now but you also that's it's an entirely different deal to speak than it is just to write books because yeah. there there's the whole audience engagement there's a the whole like presentation aspect of it um, that's way different than just um, writing a book and talking about it so um, I I love motivation but I'm more about you know getting people enthusiastic and energized or juiced up but also to give them systems and strategies that they can use for their life and mm-hmm. that's going to help them to become that person they're destined to be and so i went up to las vegas for an athletic director event with brian kane uh, he was training for a full iron man and needed to get an 18 mile training run in so him and his uh director of operations were both going to do this full 140.6 <laughs> miles um, I'm like, yeah, I'll go run with you. <clears throat> you now, the first I ever ran in my life was, you know, 13 at, the, at that point in time, and then so we went out and we, we ran this loop in a Vegas park for three straight hours. Hmm. And I had this speaking engagement with a Northeast Iowa conference, uh, and we were holding it in New Hampton. And then we started talking about the basics of this book or this uh, presentation, and it came out. He's like, "Oh, you should th- say this." I'm like, "Oh, I like this better." We just went back and forth. And then it came out to The Six Keys Leading to Intention. And he's like, this is awesome. You should write a book on this. Make it a storybook. Make it to where you're just, you know, it's like a fable, almost like with John Gordon's book, uh, Energy Bus, mm-hmm. where people can create their own pictures in their own minds as far as what these characters look like and also everyone who they can encounter. Um, so I got home after that trip to Vegas and got aligned with his his editor. She wasn't quite ready to to do do the project, so I just kind of brainstormed on what it was gonna look like and wrote the book in the span of four days. I wrote from nine o'clock at night until two o'clock in the morning for four straight days. Wrote this hundred page books off the editor and then off we went. And it was then building a website trying to figure out how PayPal works. (laughs) Like (laughs) for people to actually buy stuff and um putting it on Amazon. And I self published it with through my own publishing company. Um Compete publishing and then also went from there. It's now the, the next steps are built forming and then in my own LLC now And so it's, it's this whole side thing is <clears throat> Start off as this kind of fun little thing is now getting bigger, which is humbling exciting um, And yeah. so that that book sold and it's we're approaching close to 3,000 copies now in that first book um, Then I wrote the next one uh, the living life of purpose uh, went through the same process as far as writing goes and um, you know that books uh, over 1500 now um Mm -hmm. with that so it's been good you know it's it's been so it's a way to get to kind of get into places and uh so they see an author so it's in different businesses and different schools are using as their leadership programming Mm -hmm. um and then uh so then now it's people see the book they see some of the different things i've done through podcasts or just a speaking engagement and then now the consulting aspect is coming up too now it's actually working more with their teams, working with their coaching staff, working with their athletes and what they do within mental performance and them recognizing that it's not witchcraft or wizardry or it's going to be this you know secret pill you take that's going to make everything better, but it's a way of developing a system that they can implement that's going to permeate everything they do. Mm. And mental performance is not just one more thing we do. It's it's everything. And so it's how you structure practices. It's how you communicate with people. It's how you um, develop those that you're you know in charge of and so that's what makes it uh incredibly exciting and incredibly
0: uh worthwhile sure uh so in the it doesn't happen by accident books you like you said you sort of structure it as a as a fable and it's a book uh, you know both books i've read and i think really applicable to anyone but the the story around which it's structured it starts at least with Uh, A beginning teacher an early teacher who's a little disillusioned with education or his role in it and then he finds sort of this mentor figure and you know not to give too much away that you know the book's a great read Um, but then he's learning these six keys throughout that first book how much of that was taken from real life just in terms of I mean I know I love education I think it's the best job in the world that's something we've talked about on this podcast before but I think sometimes we do see those teachers who maybe are a little disillusioned, or right. they get into it, and it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Yeah. So, how much of that did you draw from things that you were seeing in education?
1: Yeah, things I saw as a, you know, student myself, um, growing in high school within specific teachers, and also seeing that within being around schools, you know, in 15 years in education. So, um, there's a lot that I. Took there's a lot of examples I got from people at other schools and the things that they've seen. Um, the question I get often asked is like, you know, right away is like, okay, who are those people like at your school? I'm like, it's it's not about like <laughs> th- there's <Yeah>. not <laughs> there who's, were not who's this guy? Yeah, they were not created as a result of like me trying to like get a jab at somebody. No, that was that wasn't it. It was about mm. and and the, the feedback that's been interesting about this is that you know from different admi- billing administrators and different other you know teachers who've read this book and who have seen that are like, oh my gosh, like. This makes total sense. We've seen this year in and year out, but then also, like you had said about it, it's so applicable to everybody. Like working with a business, who they're like, oh my gosh, we have employees that are like this,
0: mm-hmm. who
1: they've you know been the long tenured, and then like someone comes in and they're like, oh, they just kind of latch on to this like veteran person, and they get taken down the wrong path where they entered this profession would be teaching or business or whatever it is. With their own ideas, and then those kind of get soft off the side because they just get connected to the wrong, to our person, and you see that happen in everyday life with relationships. You know, getting down the wrong path, and you, know, you kind of wonder like how they ended up there. Um, yeah. But uh, that's that's where it, it, it's a story that it could fit any business or any school, any you know company or athletic team because it's it's real life, and we've seen that. And mm-hmm. so then, how can we take then each of these individual keys, which is about action and to use that in everyday life. So then what I do now is that I take those six keys and apply mental performance skills to those keys that to really hammer home the point as far as like not just a, a concept of like say, key number one, make today count. Well, then I use that whole framework to teach about elite mindset and time management and organization. Mm-hmm. And then as you move to each key, there's one to two different skill sets that I can help teach as far as a strategy because Motivation is great, right? It's what gets us started, but commitment is what keeps us going. And if we don't have a system or a strategy, then we start falling to the wayside. And it's much like, you know, as like a strength and conditioning program, right? You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, that you have done so well at is, you know, a guy gets in the gym, they're all fired up to do so, but they don't know what they're doing. It's going to fall apart, sure. you know, and then you give them the right systems or the right strategies and the right tools, then they can just take off. Mm-hmm.
0: So then when you're doing, you kind of talked about the book. Or all the books, giving you an opportunity to just get in places and get in contact with people, and then you know you've started doing a lot of these speaking engagements and those sorts of things. Is that what you are doing with a lot of these? Is you are structuring around sort of those six keys and things like that, and you are training those specific skills? Then, right?
1: Yeah, and each 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 one's different. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know, with you know one of the teams I work with, they're actually doing a book study. On the six keys, in which okay, that's what they're doing as far as kind of their off-season development. So what I'll do is go and work with them and deliver instruction on that key and those skill sets, and they'll move on to so the next. Time will be okay, the next key, and I'm just break it down that way. But some places, like say when I go to, <clears throat> I'm working a uh, mental performance camp in the Iowa City area, and uh, I'm not going to take them through the six keys because I can it's going to be more about the routines and the mental performance specific to baseball and softball. Sure. And then if I go, but when I go work, um, a speaking engagement at a a basketball camp this summer at Iowa state university and delivering specifically on adversity, I'm not going to be getting into like the, you know, the, any of of the keys. So it just, it it just, it depends upon what the organization wants. Mm -hmm. Um, but then also being able to have the, flexibility and, and also content to deliver on any sort of different area. And that's what's been fun to continue to grow is I'm still I'm, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm no by far means an expert. I'm still a student of the game. Um, mm-hmm. But when it comes to it is that there's a lot of content that I have that I can help, you know, help somebody shorten up their experience. And, my, and limited according to my personal mission that has to do with, like, the question you asked earlier about how to maintain <clears throat> energy levels and, like, enthusiasm on my daily basis is that, I'm driven by my core principles of purpose, accountability, commitment, and toughness, and that my mission is to positively impact and influence the lives of those I serve. And I don't care who that is. Mm-hmm. And I'm in a position of service as a teacher, I'm serving my students, and I go in to work with a group. I'm there to serve them at the highest level possible, to allow them to be at their absolute best when it matters the most. Sure.
0: Now I liked you kind of talked about your core principles and I think that's such an important thing that oftentimes people overlook and it's it's one of the first things so in all my classes I do it's sort of a self-authoring thing and it's one of the first things that we talk about is you know what are your core principles and it's one of those things that I try to you know tell my students if if you don't know what you stand for you don't know yourself you know how are you going to face all of these other things and I think that's such important. So I like that you read all those off. So just go through them one more time here. What are your core principles? OK, so set? this is
1: part of like what an individual's, and I'll do this with um, a lot of my one-on-one coaching clients. We'll do this with our students. It's called the MVP process, and that stands for mission, vision, principles. Mission is think uh, eulogy, right? Think like mm-hmm. what do you want your entire life to be about? Not just about a specific area, not just as like a teacher or like a coach or a husband or a you know just 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 what do you want your life to be about and as i said that is to positively impact and influence the lives of those i serve my vision vision is more resume like what do you want the accomplishments what are the things you want to check off the box, so to speak, and sort of like, hey, live a life of alignment with my core principles to create a life for my family that I, that they deserve, or to leave a lasting impact on the students and people that I consult with, right? Mm -hmm. But then also the principles is that what are those areas of your life that are going to drive behavior, okay? Now, so when it comes down to this, this is part of what's called the performance pathway. Leadership drives culture, Culture drives behavior, behavior gets results. And your culture is specifically aligned with what your principles are. And principles drive behavior. And so, my principles that drive my behavior are purpose, is that um, I, de- I define that as built for others. Um, accountability is do what I say I'm going to do. Commitment, be 100% where my feet are. And then toughness, the ability to overcome all adversity. So when it comes down to those decisions that need to be made in life, um, there's a phrase I use called, I am the type of person that, and so when I'm ever met with something that like, oh gosh, you know, we have this, you know, maybe negative self-talk comes in or like, I don't feel like it, which I alluded to earlier, but that phrase comes to my head. I'm the type of person that is committed to being where I'm at right here, right now, and to oversell that go, right? Or toughness. Oh man, after this conversation with the parent, or have a conversation with a, you know, the student or something. No, no, no. I'm the type of person that is going to embrace adversity as an opportunity to grow and get better. You know, so um, that allows me to align with you know what I want for an end product. Vitor Belfort, who is one of um, who is a former MMA champion, UFC, one of the youngest, said this: that a boy acts out of preference, a man acts out of principle. And so when we act out of principle then we are going to then create behaviors that are going to then be with what we believe in. And with young people is that people experience you through your behaviors and they, what are your beliefs or your behaviors are exact resemblance of your beliefs. Well, if you're not behaving according to your beliefs, that's where we have that gap. And so to help young people understand that you can be a person of action and to have those behaviors aligned with your beliefs. And then, then they know what they're about. It's going to help them to, decrease stress it's going to help them to get themselves you know not to get out of bad situations because you know we all know as young people are going to make mistakes or just even you know people in general but hopefully we'll then uh not allow them to stay there that long
0: so with your you know your purpose being you know essentially someone who's built for others what do you i mean that's something i try to convey to other people too Is i don't think you can find any peace in this world if you're not serving other people yeah so how do you try to sort of convey that message to the people that you work with? Or I guess what are the things that maybe you also find so significant about that? Or why is that so important?
1: When I think that, you know, trying to lift up others. and Because everybody on this planet is trying to navigate this world as best as they, as they can or even as best as they know how. And one of the things I use is that there's – is the concept of the FedEx logo mm-hmm. and do you know where the arrow is in the FedEx logo and I show that image and someone will say I've never seen it before and those listening. might be say I've never seen this before Well pull up a FedEx logo and look at the space between the E and the X. There's an arrow that sticks out now people are like oh my gosh once you see it. You never can unsee it mm-hmm. Well, there's arrows inside of all of us that are just waiting to be exposed and seen now. How can we then? Know that we have to be in a position of service is having the attitude of gratitude and also in recognizing that you're not too be- you're not better than anything, and that you know you're not too good to pick up a piece of trash in the hallway that you didn't drop. You're not too good to go help out somebody that might need it. You know you you never nothing's ever like below you. Um, mm-hmm. The the example of the uh, New Zealand All Blacks rugby team, the most successful uh, team that there is. Um, there's a concept called "sweep the shed," mm-hmm. and that maybe you've heard that before. But the captain of the most prestigious and successful rugby team in history, their job as captain is to sweep the floor after games and practices. Yeah, you know nobody's ever above anything. I think that ego gets in the way for a lot of people um, because they think that, well, I'm I'm in this position that I'm I'm too good for that. No, you know you're not too good for anything. You know, so that's that's humility. You know, that's that's showing that because there's, you know, two types of people, those who are humble and those who are about to be. You know? And, and <laughs> yeah. so when you model the behavior you want, and even though sometimes like, you know, if someone says, Hey, you got a minute? Yeah. Give them a minute. It's not often a minute, but yeah give them that attention. And to give them that, um, you know, love and care that they, that they need as a human mm-hmm. being you just, and in our world today, which is so jacked up with some of the way people treat others is, we have a responsibility, I believe, just to show humanity to others, and it's it's not for us to judge because Lord knows we're all completely flawed in our own ways. <laughs> but can we show just general kindness and humility, and you know, just to be that type of person that others would just say, "Hey, man, that person made me feel pretty good," mm-hmm. you know, because every human being is just one positive interaction away from changing the tra- the trajectory of their life, and you never know the the impact of a high five, a pat on the back, a smile, a, Hey, you doing okay? What that can do to somebody. And we need to do more of that. so that's what service is about. It's offering yourself up to others and realizing that your life is going to help somebody on a deeper level.
0: Yeah. Now you've, uh, you've referenced a lot of different things, you know, like whether it's drawn from that legacy book about the all blacks, which is great. I think university of Iowa read it, which is where I think we first saw it. And then we bought a bunch of copies and had our football team read it at St. Ansgar and, and go through it. What are some things or, you know, either people or books or things that you're like, hey, this really impacted me because I know you're always consuming that and always trying to get better, you know. What are things that you listen to or read or you're reading right now that you're like, hey, this has really made a difference? Or?
1: Part of my morning routine um, that is uh, <clears throat> to call what's, uh, Success Hotline. And Success Hotline, the phone number is 973-743-4690. And you can play. hit the 15-second repeat button going back to, to, to say it again, but <laughs> yeah. 973-743-4690. It's a guy by the name of Dr. Rob Gilbert, who leaves a three-minute message every single day. He's done over 10,000 messages, started this in uh, January 29th, 1992. And he's, um, uh, it's incredible. I've visited, I've never met the man face-to-face, uh, but. I've had numerous phone calls with him um, and he's impacted my life as much as, you know, as anybody has. Um, but, uh, that's part of the routine. That's really good. He has a podcast now, which they're all those success hotline calls go into then this and a pod, which then you can just consume in that way. So it doesn't ever go away because a phone call recording is, is, uh, <laughs> it's like this message will self-destruct in 24 hours. Um, <clears throat> there's that. Um, also, um, you know, Jocko Willink's podcast is really good. Um, that's great for, like, long trips because his, his pods get long. Mm. Uh, Tim Ferriss is another one that's really um, positive. Uh, Tony Robbins and some of the stuff that he's done, um, bigger name guys. But then um, also there's a one, uh, Ben Bergeron, called Chasing Excellence. Okay. He's one of the top CrossFit trainers uh, in the world. He's trained uh, Catherine Davis Daughter. He's trained... Um, you who's know, of the CrossFit Games. And his is really good just on lifestyle and design and, like, leadership. And it's, uh, that's a positive. So a lot of podcasts to try to take in that way. Um, books, I don't get to read as much as I would like to, but take full advantage of um, Brian Johnson and his Philosopher's Notes, which is uh, – or what he has now is Optimize.me. And what he does is he takes a book and breaks it down into, like, a 15-minute audio. That also has uh, a PDF that comes behind it and so what that does is allows me to then get the you know trim the fat away from actually reading a book and I can actually listen to that and I'll get in the habit of listening to the same book every day for a week yeah and then I feel like I've got it really hammered home and I'll go find another one and he's got he's done over 300 some you know books plus that you can uh, take in that way so um, you yeah, know there's just a few examples but then also just paying attention to I think I learned a lot more from Um, my students and those people I'm around then maybe I mean I hope they learn from me but I learn a lot from them as well as far as like the positions that they come from and just being a person is very observant and uh, aware of what's what's taking place around you so that you can make better connections that's how we build trust too so
0: with all of these different things that you're doing you know authoring teaching speaking you know I mean, sort of different facets of the same you know under the same umbrella what are some of the things that you find most rewarding, or, or maybe things that have surprised you a little bit about all of this stuff that you're doing? It, it was <clears throat> this is something that I I thought
1: I wanted to do eventually is to be able to work with others and to to go speak. I saw you know I was Brian King. His name has come up earlier. He's you know a, he's a mentor. He's trained me in mental performance. He's uh, he's a dear close friend. Um, I saw some of the stuff he was doing I'm like, man, this is, that was really cool. It'd be, it'd be so fun to just to have somebody just want to like, you know, help them out, you know, mm-hmm. as far as coming into, to, you know, deliver a message. And it's been something I've worked at, you know, and, and there's, you know, there's a book called outliers. Um, this is one of my favorite books. And, and there they talk about the Beatles <clears throat> and Hamburg, Germany and how they spent, you know, I have 10 years or something like that with like where they were just playing night in night out. I think it was like two or three years, but to night in night out for eight hour sets Mm -hmm. on repeat and that they just develop like the, the mastery of, you know, performing and getting to know each other. And so I feel that to the, position I'm at is a result of all the previous 14 years that I've been delivering content in the classroom, uh, building positive relationships with kids and understanding that, um, I'm not trying to change anything about myself to be like a snake oil charmer or salesman, but it's <laughs> like, I, I feel like there's a, there's a message that can help others and change their lives. And that's, that's all I'm about. And it mm. doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you're from. If you want help and growth and shortening up your learning curve, then that's what we have to do. So because we do, we do, we have a really weird people are interesting because sometimes they would rather fail. Alone than succeed with help. It's almost that we give ourselves way too much credit to to know everything. And that three types of people: the first person is a, is a, d- a dabbler. A dabbler is someone who like tries something new. They reach adversity or it's, it kind of becomes boring. They quit. They just find something new. Right. Mm-hmm. The next person is called the achiever. Right. They move up and they just work, 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 fourteen hour days, sixteen hour days, eighteen hour days, and then they might grow a little bit. But then it's it's a lot, a lot, a lot of hard work. Which hard work is going to be a thing we have to do anyway but sometimes unnecessary and the last one is called the master what the master has figured out is that when they reach a a point where they need to they've had they've kind of got a plateau or they've reached adversity they find a mentor they -hmm. find someone to help them and then that allows them to grow and continue to move up then when they get to another part of adversity they find a mentor and so i want to try to help mentor and um, guide others to a life of fulfillment and excellence and that's what's been really exciting about this is Mm -hmm. uh it's been a, it's been a IV drip, so to speak, where it's been like little by little here and there. Um, it's, it's not quite a fire hose, but it it has, I mean, (laughs) the faucet speeds turning up a little bit and that's, what's been, um, so enjoyable is a chance to take the message. And, uh, uh, it, it motivates me daily to be my best for others. And I, I tell any group I work with is I'm going to give you everything I have because you deserve that. And, um, again, that goes back to that position of service and Mm -hmm. to give them everything that I got because all we have is today. And if I were to die tomorrow, or heck even hopefully not driving home after this podcast recording, but that people would say that I was consistent day in and day out with what I I living according to my mission. And that to me is success. You know, we have a definition of success is, you know, much people want that, but they don't know what that means to them. Mm -hmm. And to me is living my life in alignment with my principles. That's success. If I can do that, it's not about wins and losses. It's not about awards. It's not about book sales. It's about making an impact based upon the life that I want to live um, and also giving that back to others.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we've talked about education, the different media stuff. Now, kind of the last, you know, sort of certainly not the only other remaining facet of your life, but I want to talk a little bit about just family life and that sort of thing. I had a chance today with, uh, well, you were doing baseball stuff, to watch a little baseball, but also to play with your five-year-old daughter, Greta. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we, we had a good time. But, you know, I just, I enjoyed, like, talking to young people because I think, well, first of all, they see the world as people probably should see the world. It's beautiful, yeah. And, and just, you know, that's something I know about you is that, you know, your family kind of, you know, it comes before everything else. But it was interesting even just talking to Greta because kids would just, you know, talk to you and then say exactly what they're mind. And that was one of the things she, I forget what it was, we were building a castle or something, and she said something to you and then she's like, he understands. And I was <laughs> like, "Like yeah, that's good. And then she said, parents are good listeners. And I'm like, well, that's awesome, I not all parents, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad that you have that perception that parents are good listeners. So, I mean, that was awesome for me. It says a lot about the job you and your wife are doing. I just, I mean, that was sort of one of those beautiful little moments. What are the things that you try to focus on with your family life and balancing it with all this other stuff?
1: Is, you know, <clears throat> to be, when I'm home, be home, right? To, mm-hmm. you know, with, even from some of the Systems I had was like when I get home, and after we, we usually give ourselves until you know five o'clock or so just to close up any sort of loose ends from the day. But once that happens, we're gonna put our phones away. You know, we're gonna be you know, give our girls the attention they deserve, we're gonna take them places, we're gonna um, you know, go out to eat, we're gonna make them feel special and feel loved. And there's a book uh, I read when I found we found out when Becky was pregnant with uh, Greta, and that's what we found out it was a girl. Um, I was gifted a book called The Difference a Daddy Makes, <clears throat> and it had to do with um, how a, a girl gets her perception of love based upon the father, not the mother is how it's seeing what that love and like what romance is. And one thing that my wife and I do is that we put our kids second mm-hmm. because the relationship of us is the one we feel matters most because if we don't have a strong relationship and that's something that's going to be, um, our kids are going to notice that, you know, and now again, like relationships, you know, change through course of time and, you know, just things happen. But, um, our kids know that, my wife and I are on a united front together and as part of like our plan is that we have a date night every two weeks and we do a 90-day getaway where every 90 days we go take a trip somewhere just her and I and sometimes the kids might come with other times it's just us mm-hmm. um, but then also taking our kids and exposing them to different things from you know music to you know play lands and hotels and swimming <laughs> pools and um, but you know, I love being a father of two girls, you know, with Greta being five, Margo being two, I love being the father of two girls. I mean, those is, it, it's, it's special. Um, I get asked like, Oh, don't you want to try for another boy? I'm like, no, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm set. I don't need to have a boy to feel like the Miller name can continue <laughs> to, to, to pass on. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's an honor. It's the most, you know, being a husband and a father, the most important jobs that I have. And mm-hmm. if you're going to be called a job, it's, you know, um, calling so to speak is um it's it's a blast to see the world through their eyes and to see those experiences that they have and the top people they're becoming and in all reality my wife and I are just renting our girls for the next 18 years and that, for, <laughs> for 18 years and we just and we ship them off and hope that it sticks and mm-hmm. that you know every day is an opportunity to to show them you know love to teach them lessons and our, our parenting philosophy is work the cut you know and um, when it comes down to working the cut, is think of it like a boxing match. When, when you know if there's something you want to hammer home, you know you keep hammering it. And if once the cut, cut is exposed, you keep working the cut. And how hard it is sometimes as parenting is. Well, you know, like to teach those lessons. And you know, we'd rather do the hardcore parenting now than have to try to do pick up later. And um, you know, we're so proud of our girls and who they are. And it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see what they become
0: later on in life. Absolutely, now yeah. it's fantastic. Won't have a lot else, man. We're kind of coming up, you know, close to that hour mark, and and went through a lot of different things. Uh, anything else that you've got? You know, I think for for those that uh, you know are listening to this
1: and you know to seeing the the journey that you've taken on, um, I'm proud of you and what you've started to build with your media company and Appreciate the com- the content you're putting out. And you know, for you know anybody else that's out there is trying to you know grasp the concepts that I that I talked about today. Um, you know, you can send me an email, ethan at ethan-miller.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm on Instagram as well. Um, and anything that I can do to help you in your journey and in your path, because that's that's why I'm here. And um, I'm going to learn a lot from you in the process as well that maybe I can give to somebody else. But, uh, you know, the the path to... Um, that we're on is something that we have to be intentional every single day, which when I wrote those, that book, the, it doesn't happen by accident series it happens by intention and in that we've got to be intentional with the life we live and life is beautiful and ugly all at the same time. But when we embrace it and know that, Hey, today matters. Today is the most important day of your life. It's the only day we're living. Go all in on today, go on on yourself and realize that you can become that person that you so want because in life you get what you settle for and we don't want to be settling for anything. We want to work towards the things that we want with a vision of that um, type of life we want to create. And one day, one moment, one interaction at a time, because you deserve it. And I'm excited to, uh, for those of you guys listening to uh, taking this content and hope that uh, it helps you out. And if anything I can do to help you out, it would uh, be honored to do so.
0: Well, I appreciate it, man. And just for everybody listening, again, just so it's ethan-miller.com, and then your links to all your social media stuff is on there. Yep. The books are available on there. I mean, all that. So I just, whatever, suggest people go there. You can find everything, even your social media, your – I mean, multiple times a day posting motivational stuff. I mean, some of the things you referenced today. I mean, I think recently I saw the FedEx thing yeah. and the 1% you know, a day, that sort of thing. So, I mean, that's a great thing to go on there and just see what you're up to and get sort of those little daily shots of motivation. Yeah, that's right. So, anyway, man, I appreciate it. This has been a pleasure hanging out with Greta and <laughs> hanging out with you and seeing the practice and the whole deal, man. So, that's I appreciate right.
1: it. Awesome. Thank you, Luke.